Praise the Lord, church. Praise the Lord, church. Anybody happy to be in the house of the Lord this morning? Is there joy in the house of the Lord this morning? Amen. Whether you're in the sanctuary or you're joining us online this morning, we welcome you. Stand to your feet with us wherever you're at. Let's talk about the joy. Let's sing about the joy of the Lord. Amen. Hallelujah. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy. There is joy. There's a river flowing, a river of joy and laughter. The river flowing, the river of joy and laughter. We want to swim in the waters. We want to dance. There is joy in the house of the Lord. There is joy in the house of the Lord. Lord, there is joy. There is joy. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah. Shout hallelujah, everyone. Can we give God a high praise in the house today? Let's continue to clap our hands and worship the Lord, which is due unto his great and powerful name, the name of Jesus. He is worthy of the praise. He's worthy of the glory and glory worthy of the honor, which is due unto him. We give God praise for coming into his house and magnifying the great name of our God, Jesus Christ. He is here. He is risen. And we know that he is about to do things in our life that no man can even utter to explain because we serve a God of the impossible. He can do all things, nothing that he cannot do in your life if you just believe God can do all things. He can do it for you in any situation you're going through today. I have served a God and I serve you. Notice, if you should try Jesus Christ, he will yet fulfill his desires for your life. Let's put our hands together one more time. Here in Christ in the church where Christ is our central focus. And we're going to pray that God will bless those who are watching and those who are present in the sanctuary. That God will bless us with the word. And every need be met. There is a need. There is a, there is a situation that you may be going through. But I believe there's a word for you today. And there's a word that has been already spoken forth in our first service. And we're going to believe God for today that God is going to bless someone in the house. And he's doing it such. We're going to lift our hands and we can all stand in respect of our prayer. We can as united and unified believing that God is going to speak to us. And we're believing God today. Let's lift our hands in the presence of God as we pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we exalt you, we magnify you, because you alone are worthy. You are God, and there is none beside thee, Lord God. The mountains and the heavens declare the glory of God, and the ferment showeth your handiwork. And we pray your handiwork will be established today. I pray do new things. Behold, do new things. Accomplish these things. Lord God, we pray, Lord God, whatever your will desire for today, those who are coming, either for their first time, second or third, we're praying a blessing. I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray, Lord God, for strength. I pray for a sound mind, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but love, power, and a sound mind. I pray for those who are watching here and far. I pray your blessings upon their family. I pray that, Lord God, you continue to bless them in their going out and their coming in. And we pray, Lord God, for healing. We pray for restoration. We believe, God, that there are days ahead that we believe eyes have not seen or ears have heard. Neither has it entered the heart of man the things that God has prepared for people that love him. Let us continue to worship the Lord. Let's put our hands together. Let us sound a praise. Let's usher a worship in here that God will be magnified in the place. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Hallelujah.
Why don't we just take a few moments with our hands lifted up and just worship our Savior? We lift you up, Jesus. We lift you up, Jesus. Be exalted. Be lifted high. There is no one like you, our great God. There is no one like you. None to compare, Jesus. You are the one and true living God.
future looks like. Doesn't matter what your boss told you. chapter 13 verse number 44 so good to be in the house of the lord god has certainly graced us with his presence in our 9 a.m service we had a 
really great move of God, and here we are again at our 10.30 service, and God is certainly in the house. We are so grateful to Him and thank Him for being present, but making His presence known. Lord, we thank you this morning. I greet you all in the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. We're so glad that you're here with us. God has brought us together for such a time as this. Amen. We had a great, great um, community event yesterday in Camden, New Jersey, and um, it was a great success. We thank God for all of our participants, all of you that made it all possible. I love my church. I love my church. I thank God for making me a part of this church. I love my church. Amen. We need to love our church. Where God put us, that's our church. We need to love our church. And it, and, and, and we can make it just real cl- clear and blunt and says we love each other. That's Because we are the church. The church is not a building. So when we say we love our church, we're saying we love each other. And that's what we're really saying. And I love all of you. I thank God for putting us together. Amen. What an event that we had. The community came out. And those who didn't come out, they were listening. Uh, we just thank God for that. And, and man, did we have some good preaching yesterday. Whew. We had some great preaching. We were, we were at a church yesterday just doing a community outreach event. But the church just happened to be located in front of a, a strip of, it's a park almost in front of the church. And um, the park is like in the center of that neighborhood. And we just put tents up in that um, park and we cooked and we hung out. We had great praise and worship. Um, we had great preaching, um, great exaltation, and um, I, the, the community is blessed and will forever bless. And the folks there really enjoyed themselves. And we're, we we just thank God that we can be a part of what He's doing. And I thank God for all of you that were there and that did everything you could to make that event a success. I am not going to get into too many preliminaries. We're going to do something a little different today. So instead of doing the preliminaries, I'm going to get right into the word of God. We will greet all of our guests officially before we dismiss today. We'll take our offering before we leave. But I just feel like it's time to get into the word of God. Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. The word of God says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, the which when a man had found he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he had, and buyeth the field. It's very powerful uh, verses of scripture, and I want to talk to you this morning on this topic, treasure the kingdom, treasure the kingdom. Lord Jesus, your presence is already imminent in this place. You brought us to this point to this place this morning. And, oh, God, we humble ourselves before you. We look to you to say, speak to us, Lord God. Father, I pray that we will not allow this time together and hearing the word of God escape us. But, Lord, whatsoever you do today in this place, we want it to be an eternal change that will take place in our spirit, Lord God, in our soul, Lord God. Father, we just don't want to enter into your house and just be a traditionalist, Lord, come in and 
Oh God, be religious and examine the word and leave without being changed. Leave without being touched by your power. But Lord, if you will, just as you have manifested your presence, will you do a miraculous divine work in each and every one of us, Lord? Whatever we have need of today spiritually, will you do it, Lord God? Will you do something extraordinary and supernatural in our life, Lord God? If our mind needs to be transformed, will you do it, Lord God? Our change, our thinking need to be changed, Lord God, will you do it, Lord God? Father, whatever has bound us, Lord God, and prevented us, Lord God, from walking in our purpose and living our best life in you, whatever has been holding us back, Lord God, today, will you cut it free from us? Will you allow us to be free from all, Lord God, that will prevent us from being who we are in you? Oh, my God, I pray today that by your spirit, your will will be done. As we give you the praise and the honor, we ask you these things in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. You may be seated. Treasure the kingdom. I want to ask you a couple of questions this morning as we get into our message. What are the treasures in your life today? What are the treasures? Can you look at your life even now and say, this is my greatest treasure or that's my greatest treasure? All of us may have different things that we have labeled our most valuable treasure in our life, our greatest treasure in our life. And many of us, the first thing we can think about that's our greatest treasure is our children. But look in your life and, 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 and try to examine this morning, what is the greatest treasure in your life today? And when you can begin to understand and, 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 and label what is the greatest treasures in your life, I want you now to think about how do you rank those treasures in your life? From the most important to the least important, how do you rank those treasures in your life, those valuables, those those things that you think are the most valuable to you, how do they rank in your life? Mm-hmm. Where does the kingdom of God rank in the order of treasures you possess? Where does the kingdom of God rank in your order of ranking? According to the most valuable things in your life, where does the kingdom of God rank in your ranking order? Be honest, because God knows everything. He knows your thoughts are far off. Before you even get your thoughts, he already knows the thoughts that you will get before you get them. Do we even understand the kingdom of God to know where we should rank the kingdom of God in our life. Do we, do we know it? Do we understand it? Do we understand the kingdom where we can say, this is where, or here is where the kingdom of God ranks in my life? Do we even know that? But I will tell you this this morning. The secret to a full and fulfilled life is discovery, 
understanding and application of the kingdom of God. We have come up with the slogan that I hear us say quite a bit these days. And the slogan is, I'm living my best life. How do you know you're living your best life? How can one know if you're living their best life? The first thing you need to know if you're living your best life like anything else. Have you discovered your purpose in this life? Because you can think that you're living your best life, but if you're living totally out of your purpose, how is that your best life? If a car can't drive, how is it a good car? If a house leaks, how is it a good house? How can we be living our best life if we don't know what we are supposed to be doing? Best life according to who? The kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven are used interchangeably in scripture. Mm -hmm. When you hear kingdom of God, kingdom of heaven, it's usually the same thing. The prodigal son says it this way, I have sinned against heaven. Now think about that. I have sinned against heaven. When any one of us sins, we don't sin against people. Because people are not the ones who design life to be lived a specific way. People aren't the ones who establish morals and the laws of life. It was God that established that. So when you sin and I sin, we sin against God. Now, do your sin cause you to offend each other? Do your sin cause you to mistreat each other? Yes. But the first one you acknowledge when you sin is God because that's who has set everything up. Mm -hmm. Prodigal son says, I have sinned against heaven. We ourselves might say, heaven forbid. In both instances, heaven can be interchanged with God. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, interchangeable. We're dealing with the same thing. In the Lord's prayer, it says, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Here the disciples are instructed to pray that the kingdom of God may come. But this is equivalent to the petition that the will of God may be done on earth. So when you're praying the will of God to be done, you're praying the kingdom of God be manifest. So the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven... They're interchangeable. We're talking about the same thing. The kingdom of God or the kingdom of heaven is wherever God rules and reigns. I'm going somewhere this morning. 
Luke chapter 17, verse number 20 says, And when he was demanded of the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation, meaning you cannot see the kingdom of God. You're not able to say there is the kingdom of God. You're not able to perceive the kingdom of God. No, for verse 21 says, neither shall they say, lo, look over here, lo, look over there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. Uh huh. So, the kingdom of God can be within you if God is ruling and reigning in your life. The kingdom of God can be within you if God is ruling and reigning in your life. So if God is not ruling and reigning in your life, then the kingdom of God is not within you. But God wants the kingdom of God to be within you. Mm -hmm. The kingdom of God is the Lord Jesus who is king, governing influence over his territory, impacting it with his personal will, purpose and intent, producing a culture, value, morals, and lifestyle that reflects the king's desire and nature for his citizens. So the kingdom of God is there for the pleasure of the king. The kingdom of God is there for the pleasure of the king. The king, personal's will, his personal will gets done in his kingdom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The king's purpose is done in his kingdom. The king determines the culture in his kingdom. The king determines the values and morals and lifestyle in his kingdom. So if you're in the kingdom of God, you're living at the pleasure of the king and not the pleasure of self. Hmm. Pretty tough, huh? So let me ask you. Is the kingdom of God within you? Is the kingdom of God within you? Where does the kingdom of God ranks in your ranking of valuables, in your ranking of treasures in your life? Because the kingdom of God is not this grand castle, you usually don't observe the kingdom. In other words, you don't see it with the naked eye. You experience the kingdom. (laughs) Some of us have read John chapter 3, verse number 3 through 6 many times. And, you know, usually when we are talking about, you know, being born again of the water and of the spirit, we all know as Christians that's been living for God for any amount of time that you turn to John chapter 3, verse 3 through 6. But let me say this to you. Let's look at it in a different light today from what we have just understood about the kingdom. In verse number three, it says in John chapter three, Jesus answered and said unto him, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see 
the kingdom of God. So am I right on right there where I say you can't see the kingdom of God? Because if you're just looking for the kingdom in your natural mind, in, in, in your own understanding, in a natural state, you will not be able to see the kingdom unless you're born again. Nicodemus said unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except the man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the bottom line is this. In order to experience the kingdom, in order to see the kingdom, in order to enter the kingdom, one must be born again of the water and of the spirit. So the bottom line is the world that is not born of the water and of the spirit, they cannot understand the kingdom. They cannot see the kingdom. They will not enter the kingdom if they remain where they are until we are born again. We can't see it and we can't enter it. The kingdom of God is spiritual. That's why it cannot be perceived with the naked eye. We can only see the kingdom with spiritual eyes, born again eyes. Are you born again? Because you can't see the kingdom if you're not born again. Now, let me pause and say this. There's some of us that are born again, but we're not in the kingdom. There's some of us who are born again. We went through the formula. We went through the process. We went through the description of what born again is supposed to be, but we're not experiencing the kingdom in our life. Because the kingdom can only manifest in your life if the king is ruling in your life. If the king is not ruling in your life, if the king is not reigning in your life, if the king is not the one who is just guiding your life, then are you experiencing the kingdom? And I say to you, no way you're experiencing the kingdom if the king is not ruling. Many have assembled themselves in the house of God, clapped their hands, praised the Lord, and they walk out and say that was a good service. Church, that's not all God is looking for. God is not a God of just, you know, go through formality. I know that some of us are raised in so many different situations. We've had so many different kind of experiences. But when it comes down to God, I have to tell you, God is not interesting in, in, interested in you just coming into the house of God and going through the formation of what the church is doing and then feel good about what, when you leave. God is interesting, interested in you experiencing the kingdom of God ruling and reigning in your life that's why he died for us not just so we can come and feel good uh-huh. he wants us to experience the kingdom and if you're not experiencing the kingdom god wants you to experience the kingdom the kingdom of god according to the scripture it says the kingdom of god or the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in the field so here is a secret. The kingdom of God is hidden. This is why the Bible says if you're not born again, you can't see it and you can't enter it. So everyone that's out in the world, we've been telling people, 
girl, you need to get saved. Girl, you need to come to church. Or they see something in your life and they know it's different. They said, it's something about you. You can tell them all you want to tell them. They won't understand it. They will be polite at times and just say, okay, and they'll smile when you explain whatever you just try to explain, but they can't understand it because they themselves are not born again. So while the kingdom is available to everybody, the kingdom is still hidden. That's what the word said. The word said the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hid. So the kingdom is open, available to everyone, but somehow it's hidden. Let me tell you this. God wasn't trying to be slick. God wasn't trying to be mean. Why? The kingdom is hidden. You know why the kingdom is hidden? Sin. If we never sinned, we wouldn't have to worry about the kingdom being hidden. So please, before we say, well, God, what is all that all about? No, it's all about what we have done. And because we sinned, we now see through a glass darkly. Because we sinned, we can't see clearly anymore. Because of sin, we don't see the things of God the way we need to see them. So because of sin, the kingdom is hidden to the world. They are seeing it operate, and they are wondering, what is that all about? There's something different about that. But they still don't understand it, no matter what they tell you, because the kingdom is hidden. You don't believe me? Look at Matthew 13 and 38. The Bible says the field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom. All of you that have been born again, that are living in the kingdom and demonstrating the kingdom, you are in the world. The world sees you. The kingdom is in you, but the world still don't see the kingdom. This is what the mystery is about this thing. You're around people that you work with every day. You're around people that you go to school with, whatever it is, and they're seeing you. The kingdom is being revealed to them, and they still cannot see it. This is why the scripture can be said that the kingdom is in the field. It's hidden in the field. In the field, the field is referring to people, the world, people in the world. So when you hear about the world, it's not talking about the grass and the trees and the oceans. It's talking about people. There's one. Sometimes you'll it's talking about the world systems, but for the most part, when it's talking about world, it's talking about the people. And so, when you and I are born again of the water and of the Spirit, we receive, we begin to see, and we enter into the kingdom and experience the kingdom. But the people around us that are not, they don't understand it. They can't perceive it. They don't know it. And so this is where, this is why God needs us to be a witness for him. And we undersell that so much. We undersell being a witness. We undersell living for God and reaching others. We undersell discipling others because we just get locked in on, I'm just trying to get saved. I'm just trying to make it to heaven. And we don't realize how much God needs us 
to help people enter the kingdom. <laughs> the text went on to say, when a man finds the treasure, which is the kingdom of God, he doesn't tell anyone until he himself possesses it. Think back about when you first got saved. I remember, and some of you can probably remember your time, when you received the revelation that you need to be born again and enter the kingdom, when you made up in your mind to get baptized, you you was like, nobody's going to stop me. You almost don't even want to talk about it because you're so locked in and you don't want anybody to change your mind that you're like, I'm getting baptized and nobody's going to change my mind. And for some of us, we come with our baptism clothes. For others, the church provides baptism clothes. But you made sure I'm not letting anything mess with this. I'm going into the kingdom. You wanted to make sure you got in. And so you did whatever it took for you to get in. Remember, in order to see the kingdom and enter the kingdom, we must be born again. Now, some of you might understand this process, but some of you may not. What is the process to being born again and to enter into the kingdom? What is the process? What is that process like? What do you need to do to see the kingdom and then enter the kingdom? Well, the first thing that you need to do to see the kingdom as you begin to go towards it and enter it is you must have faith. Not faith the way you've been told faith is. In order to see the kingdom, Brother Jones, you have to have faith. But what is that faith that you have to have? The Bible tells us in order to obtain faith, we must know who the Lord Jesus is, that he is almighty God manifest in flesh. That's when you have obtained faith, not when you believe the word. Because many of us have believed the word and later on realized what I believed about the word mm, was law, was kind of off. So your belief is not faith. It's your knowledge of who God is, is faith. Every time I say this, it's always, you know, for a lot of, especially Christian, they, they, they got to think about that one. I don't have the time to get into the scripture to show you, but I can show it to you. The Bible tells you faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You explain that to somebody for them to get faith. They'll say, what does that mean? Go try to tell somebody in the world, faith is the substance of things, hope for the evidence of things not seen. You tell somebody that and see if they, you can get them to understand what you're saying. However, when you tell them that almighty God who created everything, heaven, earth, and people, he was the one that breathed into man's nostril and they became a living soul. That God, he did all of that as the invisible God. But when the time had come and mankind needed a savior and no man was qualified, that same almighty invisible God had to become man, human, in order to give his life, to bleed his blood, to wipe away the sins of mankind. He had to become man. When you know that for yourself and understand that for yourself, you have obtained the knowledge for anything else to be possible in your life. This is why now we can say, now we can say, oh, faith is, when you have faith, you, you will believe the impossible. Yeah, because what else is more impossible than something invisible becoming visible like me and you 
and having the power and still being the almighty. Once God has shown us that he became human, there's nothing that you can think that he's limited to. There's nothing that he cannot do. That's the knowledge that you need to have because everything else is easier than that. If we want to put it in our context, everything else that he will do is it's not a big deal. But for him to create by speaking as an invisible being and then becoming a visible being as a human and, and, and doing all that he does, that's faithfulness. You want to come talk to me at the church about that? Come talk to me. Because I think that when we get to that place and we understand faith is having the knowledge of who the almighty God is. When we get to the place of understanding that, then we will not allow anything else to get in our way because we will know God can do the impossible. Because if he can become a man uh, uh, after being an invisible being and becoming a man and gave his life and go through life the way we go through it. And and we learn of him and all this stuff. If he can do that, what can't he do? And if he can do that, now we know who God is because not everybody knows who God is. Everybody have an idea of God. Everybody don't know who God is. When you come to know who God is, then you have faith. God manifested himself as human. If you don't hold on to that tight, you still have a good ways to go in your walk with God. I'm not telling you don't you don't have a you're, you're not a believer. I'm not telling you you're not a Christian. I'm just saying you have a good ways to go. The, knowing that God is almighty that became the man Christ Jesus, knowing that is everything concerning your faith. If you don't know that, you can be talked out of your faith. As a matter of fact, I never forgot one time God told me. God told me this. He says, here is the difference between this, the faith that you all have, comparing to everything else. He says, every other religion is trying to duplicate this. He says, look at the Muslims. They got Allah and Muhammad to duplicate me. He says, Allah is their God and Muhammad is their prophet because they thought that Jesus was the prophet of God. When all along, Jesus is almighty God. So everybody that tries to duplicate what we're living, they can't because nobody else can do what God has done. And if you don't understand that, you get things complicated in your Christianity and you will battle all the days long. You have to know and understand that almighty God became man. And there's not. What did I say to them this morning? I said to them, people get concerned about Jesus being the son of God. So. This is how I try to look at it because I try to be practical in how I teach. There was not a goddess in heaven and there's a God man and a goddess in heaven. So how can we produce a son? How can there ever produce a son if there wasn't a God man and a goddess woman? First of all, the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit. So flesh and blood wasn't up there. So there's no way to produce a son in heaven. So to think that Jesus was the son of God, the question is, well, how did he do that? So the bottom line is the Bible uh, 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 addressed him as son. He addressed himself as son because when you become human, you were born of a woman. 
I said this morning, women, y'all are amazing. Because everything that came into this world after Eve, every single thing that came into this world had to come behind the womb of the woman. So the day you came into this world, you become a daughter or a son. So Jesus had to declare that he was a son because he came through the womb. But that's how awesome he is. He came to this world through the birth process. Almighty God, who is invisible, came through this came to this world through the birth process. And what the Bible says, he humbled himself. This is why he called himself son. Because he's saying, I'm coming here and I'm going to live just like you all. I'm not going to circumvent the law because I created it. I'm not going to circumvent this, circumvent the system because I created it. No, I am going to live it just the way I command all of you all to live it. And because he's doing it like us, we're getting confused that he's the son. <laughs> all he's doing is being righteous and we're getting confused. He didn't come down and says, I'm God Almighty. He says, I'm the son of God. And why did he say that? Because now I'm in the flesh. I'm a son. We can talk about that on the side if you want. So the first thing in order for one to be born again is you must have faith. I didn't, I didn't give um, Sister Patrice the scripture, but let me just give this to you real quick. Sister Patrice, if you can put this up. Acts chapter 2, verse 36. I wanted to put it up to show you that faith is the first thing that you must have in order to be born again. Faith is the first thing you must have to be born again. So in Acts chapter 2, verse 36, it describes faith. Therefore, let all the house of Israel, this is, this is the text now that's taken us into how you become born again. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God had made the same Jesus, whom you have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Can you break that down for, you, for me, preacher? Lord means God. Christ means the Messiah, man. So that scripture, if you know how to read the Bible, because you're in the kingdom and you're enlightened, is saying the Jesus whom you have crucified is God and man. That's all it is. If you know how to read your Bible, that's what that's telling you. Jesus, the Jesus that y'all crucified, God and man. That's faith. So now you have the knowledge of who he is. Because you have the knowledge of who he is, go to the next text then since we're there. Because you have the knowledge of who he is, every time faith is working in your life, action comes. Faith without works. Oh, y'all don't want to mess with me today. I know y'all read it traditionally and what y'all always do, but God sent me here to teach you. And so when you get faith, action comes. Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Because they just obtained faith. You can't obtain faith and do nothing. So for everybody that says I got faith and you're doing nothing, mm, is that really faith? So now when they realize they have faith, we got to get this thing right. We realize we've messed up. We've offended God. And Peter was nice enough to say to them what? In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, then Peter said unto them, repent. You can't be saved without doing something. So you can't just say, I believe God is God and he died and rose. You can't do that. You're not doing anything. Just saying stuff is not doing anything. There must be some action. So the bottom line is Peter told them, now you've got to repent. And then you've got to be baptized. And then how do you get baptized? In the name of Jesus Christ. Why? For the remission of sins. 
What else will happen? You will receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Repentance. You ready for this? Remember what I told you. That the power, the, the, the kingdom of God belongs to the king. And the kingdom is at the king's pleasure. So here is this. When we repent of our sins, church, all we're really saying is, I now will no longer live according to my own pleasures. I am going to enter the kingdom and live at the king's pleasure. <laughs> that's repentance. So that's why there's a lot of us that I told you went through the process of being born again, but we're really not experiencing the kingdom because when you're in the kingdom, you realize I'm serving at the king's pleasure. I'm not living any longer according to my pleasure. But remember the secret. I told him this this morning. When you first enter the kingdom, you're serving at the king's pleasure, and you will always serve at the king's pleasure. But here is the caveat or the, the secret that you have not discovered. After a while living in the kingdom, you begin to enjoy serving at the king's pleasure. And so now it's the pleasure of the king that you're serving, but you're also serving your own pleasure because you're enjoying this thing. As I said to them this morning, don't you love to praise God? Don't you love to worship God? Don't you love to pray and call on the name of the Lord? So after a while being in the kingdom, it's a pleasure to you as well. So now God takes pleasure in you serving him, but now you are taking pleasure in living in the kingdom. So the issue is a lot of times we say we repent, but we really didn't because we're not allowing his pleasure to reign in our life. We're, we're trying to be in the kingdom and still serve our own personal pleasure. And one of the prayers we have to pray when we're asking for God to help us in, 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 in when we repent is this. You must ask God to change your heart from being self-centered to being Christ-centered. Because when your heart is Christ-centered, you operate from a position of love. When you are self-centered, it's always to serve your own pleasure. And you can't serve your pleasure when you're serving in the kingdom. Mm. So, something, something to think about, huh? So in order for us to enter the kingdom, faith, then repentance, then baptism in the name of Jesus Christ, then God can fill us with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Now, sometimes that fourth step can be first. God can fill you with his spirit before all of that happens. Because the Bible says, and in the last day, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. So God is pouring out his spirit and people will receive his spirit. So it's, it's not always this, this way. But, 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 but the bottom line is we must, have to, we must go through those four steps in order to be born again of the water and of the spirit. In order to see the kingdom and enter the kingdom. We must go through those four, four steps. You can't get to the kingdom if you don't go through that. Without the born again experience, the kingdom of God is hidden unto you. Remember, I keep saying that, and I know you're wondering. You can, you can experience the kingdom, but you will not understand the kingdom until you're born again. What do you mean by that, preacher? You can show up here today, and God's kingdom can be manifested, and you can be healed. 
That don't mean you're in the kingdom. God's kingdom can manifest and you can be delivered. And that don't mean you're in the kingdom because in order to see and enter, you must be born again. But you can experience the kingdom. The problem is people experience the kingdom and they don't realize what is going on. They just know, man, I went to that church and God healed me. Man, I went to that church and I felt something different than wherever else I went. Man, I went to that church and I'm telling you, I just felt the power of God. That don't mean you're in the kingdom. And that's what so many people are doing. They come to the apostolic church. Uh, the kingdom is manifested. The power of God move, and they leave without any change, only the experience. And they don't realize in order for the change to go with you, you have to be in the kingdom. That's how the change takes place is you living in the kingdom, not just experiencing the kingdom. In 2 Corinthians 4 and 3, what does the scripture says? But if our gospel be hid, if it's hidden, it is hid to them that are lost. So you see, people that are not saved, they cannot see the kingdom. It says, go on, it says, in whom the God of this world had blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ. Man, y'all don't want me to, I can go all day on this. It says, unless the gospel of the, it says, unless the light of the glorious gospel in Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. Unless faith should come. Unless faith should come, you will stay blind. Unless faith should come, unless you come to know who Jesus is, you will stay blind. There are people that are supposed to be Christians, but they have not come to understand who God is. Still blind. Still blind. You can experience the kingdom, but still blind. Uh-huh. When you find the kingdom, church, there will be great joy. When you find the kingdom, man, you come into the house of God, just coming in. Just, just, just prancing, prancing because you just feel so good. I don't know about you, but anything I get ready to do that I like to do, I get a little excited. <laughs> I, I don't know about you, but when something good is about to happen, I just feel so good. There's something that's going on. And when I'm coming to church, I know there's something good that's about to happen. So I just start to feel good and I start to think about it. When you have faith, you understand that God is almighty and he can do exceeding and abundant. And when you have faith, guess what? You will experience joy. And when you experience joy, joy will compel you to do something. You can't say you have faith and have joy and you are not compelled to do something. We got to let this word line up the way it needs to line up in our life. Uh-huh. There is great joy that fills the heart of those who find the kingdom. What happened? What, what happened? Let me say it again. Maybe give you a chance to see if you're happy about it. There is joy that fills the heart of those who find the kingdom. <laughs> How can you say that, preacher? Because that's what I saw in the scripture. That's what I saw in the scripture. The scripture says, for the joy therefore goeth and selleth all that he had and buyeth the field. So church, when you find the kingdom, you know what you do? 
you get so locked in and so focused because you're supposed to be in awe of the kingdom that you get so focused and locked in that you're like, that's what I want. That's what I want. And you get so focused on the kingdom. When you see it, you're like, I don't want anything else but this. And when you see the kingdom, you says, I could care less about that. I could care less about this. I just want to be in the kingdom. I just want to experience the kingdom. And so when you find the kingdom, you just forget about everything because the joy floods your heart and you now focus and you will give anything up for the kingdom. will give anything up. If you really find the kingdom, you will give everything up for the kingdom. Let me show you something and then I'll close out real quick. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, the scripture says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of God, of the and right hand of the throne of God. And so now the question is, How can one go through the crucifixion at Calvary and have joy? How how does that make sense that Calvary brought Jesus joy when he was going through that beating, when he was going through that crown of thorn put on his head, when he was going through mocking, and and, and he know later on at some point they was going to put that spear, that sword through his side. How can you call that joy, Jesus? (laughs) But he called it joy. The joy that was set before him, because you know what? He knew why and what was going to happen. He knew the why that he was doing it for, and he knew what the outcome would be. Church, stop for a minute and hear me. You got to know the why you are living for God and what the outcome is. And when you know that, there will be joy that will flood your soul. But you got to know the why you're doing this and the outcome of it. I don't think we understand the why we're living for God. I don't think we understand the why we're in the kingdom. Because when you understand the why you're doing it and what the outcome eventually will be, that's enough to give you joy. That's enough to make you shout. That's enough to make you sing. That's enough to make you dance. That's enough. That's enough to make you just move your hips and say, God, I love you. That's enough to make you say, Lord, there is none like you. Jesus, our God, that created everything, that reigns and rules, he was on the cross. He was being beaten. He was being put a crown of thorn in his head. He was being crucified. And he had joy because he knew why he was doing it. And he knew what the outcome would be. And I'm telling you, here's a message for you today that if you don't hear anything else I say, if you enter the kingdom and you stay in the kingdom and let the kingdom reign in your life, you got to know why you're doing it. So all the obstacles that come your way, all the frustration that you got to go through, all the challenges that you face, all the setbacks in this life, you got to really understand, I can deal with it. I will deal with it because I know why I'm in the kingdom. I know why I'm going through it, but I know what the outcome will be, and I got joy no matter what. I've got joy no matter what I'm going through. I've got joy no matter how hard it is. I've got joy no matter what the devil throw at me, because I know the outcome. 
Jesus knew the outcome of Calvary. And that's why, no matter how bad it seemed, no matter how gruesome it was, he stood it and just kept going. And he surrendered because he knew the outcome. We got to know the outcome of why and what is coming. Also understand this. The only reason why we, we have these challenges being in the kingdom because we're still in this world. In this world, it opposes the kingdom. But hear this, church. God has given us the power to overcome this world. By the word of our testimony, by the blood of the lamb, he overcame and we will overcome. So all the little struggles, we got to realize we will get past it. Don't let any setback in your life make you feel like, oh, this is the end or I'll never make it. Or, oh, my, this is going to be the worst thing that ever happened to me. You can't do that. Not when you're in the kingdom. The worst of the worst happened to Jesus and he had joy unspeakable. None of us will ever bear the sins of the world because it's already done. So you don't know what it feels like to bear the sins of the world, the world. You don't know what it what it feels like to be beaten 39 times. The way he was beaten. You don't know it. But guess what? He did it with joy. Because he knew what was before him. He knew what was ahead of him. Jesus had joy in his in his work at Calvary, that gruesome Calvary. He still had joy. Many of us got to understand the why of the kingdom and understand the outcome of the kingdom. This is why joy will move you to fulfill the mission of the Lord Jesus. If we have joy, it's going to move us to fulfill the mission of the Lord because joy is from the Holy Ghost. Yes. Yes. Joy is influenced by the Holy Ghost. This is why joy is not a world thing. Oh, don't get me started. Joy is not the world thing. That's why in the world you can experience happiness. In the world you can experience gladness. But in God you experience joy because it comes from the Holy Ghost. It comes from the power of the Spirit. And that's why you can experience that and nobody else can except those who have the Spirit. You can't experience joy if you don't have God. <laughs> you can't experience joy if you don't have God. You've got to have God to experience joy. <laughs> Everybody can't experience joy. Only those who have Jesus. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Uh-huh. The scripture says that we read. And for joy, therefore, thereof goeth and selleth all that he had, and buy it that field. Listen to me. When the scripture tells us that he went and sell all that he had, it's not talking about what we are thinking when we say sell. I'm going to go give some money and you give me what I need. This selling is talking about an exchange. Before money was, do you know our world operated without money a long time ago? It was always border exchange nobody had money they didn't know what money was so the bottom line is when you think of selling in the bible exchange exchange somebody say exchange let me help you with that proverbs 23 verse 23 says buy the truth (laughs) 
Is he telling you you need money to buy the truth? <laughs> he's, tell, he's saying, take the truth and don't give it up for anything. Mm-hmm. Look at Isaiah 55 and 1. Ho! Everyone that thirsteth, come ye to the waters. And he that had no money, what did he say? How you going to come by with no money? <laughs> because what we're thinking of buying and selling, that's not what it's referring to. It's referring to exchange. You've given up everything to have this. Uh-huh. It's an exchange. We have to realize that the scripture is trying to help us to understand that when you find the treasure, it's worth giving up everything else for it. The priorities in your life. How do you rank them? What's the most valuable thing in your life? I'm almost done here. David, when he talked to the Lord, David had a conversation with God one time. And David told the Lord, I prefer you. I want you more than I want life itself. David told the Lord, I want you more than I want life itself. That's a kingdom concept. Why is that a kingdom concept? Because David realized who was the giver of life. (laughs) David realized God is the giver of life. God is life. So if I have God, I have life automatically. But see, when we differentiate on the things that we think we should have, then we miss out on so many other things. God wants to give you everything that you should have. And when you get God, when you get the kingdom, you get everything. But when you get just what you want, you only get what you want. And what you want can't last. So the bottom line is you need to rethink what's the most valuable thing to you now. Because if the kingdom is not the most valuable thing, then you're missing out on your best life. If the kingdom is not the most valuable thing to you, then you are going to find yourself in a place of destitute. Sooner or later, you're going to find yourself in everlasting torment. Because the kingdom should be the most treasured thing in your life. Nothing should be more valuable to you than the kingdom. Because all that you deem as values to you, the kingdom is more valuable than that. So here it is. How do you think you got children? (laughs) Children came by the Lord. And so as much as you make your children the most precious and most valuable thing to you, guess what? If it wasn't for God, you couldn't get them. So the bottom line is, I need to make sure God is always the most valuable thing or person in my life because he is the giver of all things that is good. So don't be fooled in letting your emotions get you tied up to think, oh, the most valuable thing is my family. Okay. (laughs) Okay, I love that one. Because that's a big one that we like to talk about. We think, we, think, we think nobody can dispute that. The most valuable thing is my family. No, the second most valuable thing in my life is my family. I know what the first valuable thing in my life is. Ain't my family. I'm sorry I love them with everything I got. But they ain't the most valuable thing in my life. Y'all talk about the preacher if y'all want now. Hey, y'all heard that preacher? 
he ain't no good. He's talking about his family ain't the most important thing. Go ahead and tell people where everyone comes. But I'm standing on that one all day, every day. The most valuable thing in my life is the kingdom of God, where God rules and reigns. God is my king, and he is the most valuable thing, and nothing comes before him in my life because he is the holder of my family. He is the holder of my breath. He is the holder of the supply and of all that I need. He's the one that provides for me so I can take care of them. How in the world can anything come before God? Nothing comes before God because he makes everything possible. Thank you, Jesus. God is good, church. We need to treasure the kingdom because there's nothing else that you can ever own, that you can ever possess that's more valuable. The kingdom of God. is the most valuable treasure that you can ever have. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. The treasure, which is the kingdom, guess what? We read last week, it belongs to you. Because remember, eventually the kingdom will become yours. Eventually the kingdom, he says, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So don't, don't outsmart yourself. Don't trick yourself in thinking that, oh, I hear you preaching, but you don't understand. <laughs> the value of the kingdom, it is heavenly, not earthly. It excels all the riches and the treasures of this world and even the world to come. The kingdom of God is spiritual. And because it's spiritual, guess what? It's incorruptible. Everything else you count as value is corruptible. (laughs) The kingdom of God, it is soul satisfying. (laughs) The treasure of this world can never satisfy the immortal soul of man. Don't forget I tell you this. Your soul is immortal. We don't die. Our flesh dies. But we don't die. Why don't we die? Because our soul came from a God that's everlasting. And God breathed into man and man became a living soul. You cannot die. So your soul is immortal. So here's the trick. If your soul is immortal, it needs something immortal to take care of it. What else is immortal but God? (laughs) God help us today. The kingdom, it is adorable and everlasting treasure, not uncertain riches. Everything else is uncertain. What they tell you these days? You need to invest in gold. Because the stock market, when it crashes, gold still holds its uh, value. Got all kind of things going on in our world. The kingdom, it's always what it is. It cannot be corrupted. It cannot be uncertain. It is what it is. Church, I'm pleading with you today. If the kingdom is not the most valuable thing to you, if the kingdom is not the greatest treasure in your life, then I plead with you to say, make the kingdom the greatest treasure of your life. Don't let anything be more valuable to you than the kingdom because everything flows from that. And without having the kingdom, you don't have anything. Whatever you have, it will be for a while. 
just me for a little bit. The Bible says, heaven and earth shall pass away. Uh-huh. Yes. You will know if the kingdom is the most precious and valuable thing to you when you demonstrate it in how you live. There are some people, they were on their jobs 50 years, 60 years. We would look and say, when they die, yeah, they were a good worker. That was the most valuable thing to them. They never missed a day at work. They did this, they did that. Because that's how they lived their life. For you to see that their job was the most important thing to them. There's some people, just look at people's life and look at yours. Probably need to look at yours. Don't look at nobody else's. And look and say, when I die, will they think or say at my funeral that the kingdom was the most important thing to me? Because that's what it means to treasure the kingdom above everything else in your life. That when you leave here, those that was closest to you will be able to say, that was his treasure. That was her treasure. That's how we need to live our life. Because the, tre- the kingdom is the most treasured thing you will ever have. Let's stand. You will not have a greater treasure. I don't care if you find out you have someone that just died and left you billions. I said billions with the B. I don't care if that just happened. Guess what? Still not more valuable. Because remember what I said. What you have in this life, it's corruptible. It won't last always. It won't always have the same value. But when you have the kingdom, you have the most valuable thing you can ever have. It goes beyond money. It is not corruptible. Its riches is glorious. We got to get faith. See the kingdom. Enter the kingdom. Let the kingdom reign in your life. Because we need for the kingdom to reign. The king must rule in your life. You must live your life according to the king's pleasure. Which I'm, I'm caught up with the king because it's my pleasure too. I'm laughing with the Lord. Yeah, Lord, I know it's your pleasure, but it's mine too, Lord. Uh-huh. Remember when I told you we went on the fast? Man, about the third, fourth day in the fast, I felt invincible. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I feel your strength. You know, of course I couldn't sleep. I learned the other day that we need to make sure we take care of people that are hungry. Because when you're hungry, I didn't know that. Didn't pay it any attention. And maybe as I'm getting older, that's why I experienced it. When you're hungry, you can't sleep. Most of us in America don't know that, so trust me. The only way we're going to know it is if we start fasting. Don't get me started. We only know that if we start fasting. But if we never fast, we will never realize that if you're hungry, you can't sleep. Because when I hit the sixth day of the fast, I couldn't sleep. <laughs> I'm like, this is crazy. You lay down and can't sleep. Get back up. Just, just can't sleep. And you realize that there are people that are in this situation not by choice. We fast by choice. But there are people that are not eating and it's not their choice and they can't sleep because it's not their choice. But the things of the kingdom, a lot of it, not all of it, a lot of the things of the kingdom has become my pleasure as well. 
And that's why I'm trying to encourage you today to say, make the things of the kingdom your pleasure now. If you've been in the kingdom and you have just, you're not allowing God to rule and reign, let's pray now before we go to ask God to rule and to reign in your life. Because if you can give that to him and begin to allow him to rule and reign, that's the quicker you will begin to take pleasure in how he governs his kingdom. And so now you're in harmony with him. Now we become one with him because what is his pleasure, it's also your pleasure. That's where we're trying to get to, to try to make God's pleasure our pleasure. And that's what happens when the kingdom is reigning in your life. Father, we love you. In the name of Jesus, we thank you today for your word. We thank you today, Lord Jesus, for your goodness. You have been good to us, Lord God. Lord, you went to Calvary and you called it joy because you knew what the end would be, Lord God. You knew what the outcome of it would be. And so while you hung on Calvary's cross, oh, God, you had joy unspeakable. And, oh, my God, we want to live that life that is pleasurable to you, Lord God. Whatever your pleasure is, Lord God, that's what we want our pleasure to be as well. That we can live this life in a glorious way, Lord God. That we can thrive and live out our best life because we're living it according to your pleasure. (laughs) Yes, Lord, we want to live our life according to your pleasure. That as we live our life according to your pleasure, Lord God, we can reveal the kingdom to this world by explaining who you are to them. That they can obtain faith and now move forward in knowing you by being born again, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, have your way today in this church. Each and every person that came in this house today, Lord God, I pray that they will not walk away the same. I pray that the Spirit of the Lord will continue to minister to their heart and their mind. And that, Lord, there will be a change, a great change in their life. A great change in their mindset, Lord God. I pray today your will be done, Lord Jesus. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. 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 Bless your people today, Lord God. Somebody cry out to God and ask him to help you to reign in your life that you will come to know and experience the kingdom of God. God wants you to know the kingdom. God wants you to enter the kingdom. God wants you to understand the kingdom and to allow the kingdom to reign in your life. Jesus, I pray that somebody will turn their life over to you today. I pray that somebody will give themselves to you today. I pray that somebody will obey the word of God today and surrender. Oh, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus, we thank you today, Lord God. We thank you today, Lord God, for bringing us together one more time. We thank you for allowing us, Lord God, to hear your word and experience your presence. Lord, let your people receive from you today, never to be the same. Oh, hallelujah. Jesus. The presence of the Lord is We have some guests with us today. Mr. and Mrs. Dunn, Dolores, 
and Ronald Dunn. You can just lift your hands so we can. We're so glad to have you. And it was God's will that you're, that you're here today. I always tease and I say, however you got here, whoever invited you, they was just a vessel that God used. But God wanted you to be here today, and we're so grateful that God brought us together and that we were able to worship the Lord together and take in the word of the Lord together. I see your area code, and this is a famous area code. So you're not living in the States? No? Just here for six weeks, huh? So where in Jamaica you live? Yeah? Okay. Right. I'm from Portmore. That's, that's my town. My town. Yeah, I know. Uh-huh. Okay. In Ochoria. They might be some ages in them church, huh? Well, we welcome you to Christ Center Church. Maybe we need to get your address, Brother Henry. Uh, touch Jamaica, I'll go find them. I'll be out that way in December. Claudette! Where are you, Claudette? Claudette! Nice to have you. Claudette is from Ontario, Canada. Claudette, it's nice to have you today. So... Claudette, we could be family. Are you are you family with um, Yvonne? Yeah. Are you related to her? Okay. So me and you family then too, huh? Okay. All right. Listen, y'all, you know, maybe, you know, we didn't get to see a lot of each other. So, you know, I don't know all my family. <laughs> so I got to, did you see them today? Did you see any of them today? You saw them? Okay. So they know you're here. Okay, all right. <laughs> I love it. What are you going to do? Claudette, we welcome you. Dunn's family, we welcome you. We're so grateful that you came to be with us, and we pray that God will continue to bless you. Say again. You'll be back. Mr. Lloyd, make sure you bring them back. All right. Don't, don't, don't mess around with the schedule, Mr. Lloyd. Make sure they get here. <laughs> You'll make sure. Okay. Make sure you take care of him. I love that man. Take care of him. <laughs> Church, I love you. We didn't give our offering, huh? Don't forget um, our building fund. Where's the other offering person? Right here. Come on, Brother Henry. Stand up. Don't forget, give your tithes and your offering to the Lord. We are $89,000 short for, make, for having everything we need to do the closing. So give a good offering today. I love you. We love you. God bless you. Amen. Have a great rest of your day. Offering. Don't forget. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs>